Welcome back to Aesthetically Displeasing, where we talk about all things spooky, stupid, and displeasing. I'm Nicole. I'm Melanie. Um, and okay, so fun fact about my story today. <laughs> Before Christmas break, I did this story and I know I did it. Okay, like I wrote it all out. Yeah. And I just needed to like text it, like, like write it out to like words instead of bullet points. Mm-hmm. So this morning, I'm trying to pull up my stuff from our Google Docs folder, and it's like half of the notes. I'm like, what the hell? Like, it's Google Docs saves. Like, where did I put this? And I'm like shuffling through everything. I'm like, how do I not have my notes for this? Uh, It was on my Remarkable tablet, so... So, um, I have half of my notes like really written out well, and then the other half is like my bullet points from before (laughs) December. (laughs) So, you'll be refreshing your memory as you read. As I read, yeah. Sometimes I get like a whole bunch of energy to write my Mm -hmm. stories, and I write my story like two weeks before, and then I always say I'm gonna go back and reread my notes, and then I never have time to. Yes, exactly. And then I get here and I'm like, oh, wait, what comes next? (laughs) Yeah, it's um it's interesting. Also, last time I was editing our banter cuz like when we started we didn't have that much banter cuz we were seeing each other like so often. Yeah. And now we have way more banter. I think we, we don't had, like, see each other. I know. We had like 30 minutes. So, I am like when I edit, I'm going to have us 5 minutes or less on banter <laughs> because I know like I love hearing banter in other people's podcasts but I know some people really hate it so I'm like 5 minutes that's all that's all we're getting and I'll edit everything else out maybe sometimes we'll like sorry for people who love it sorry mom <laughs> <laughs> well I had I think I had just over 10 minutes last time mm-hmm. so and last time was right after christmas Mm-hmm. So we're talking about Christmas and stuff. Anyways, I want to do so many cases from Clinton. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little nervous, too. There's there's one guy who went missing. Yeah. And I never heard about it until Kim was telling me about it. Like but that. do you know what I'm doing today? No. So Am I, I, I'm just so bad with names. I got you. Well... <laughs> I want to do an Israel Keys mm-hmm. at some point. And so I know you read the title. So I put it as a different title so that you'll never know when I go to do it. That's um, what I did to my story that we're going to record today is GG. I saw that because I looked at it because I was like, maybe I named it something really weird. First, oh. <laughs> I like went through every single file. Um, so um, when I started researching stuff for our podcast, I like looked up like craziest true crime yeah. stories and craziest uh conspiracies and this case came up um and so i i wanted to do this one for a really long time but there's like one article on it and like a reddit um, oh. story on it and that's it like that's it's like, like my skinwalker episode where all my sources were reddit <laughs> yeah like that's that's and then find my grave like that's the three things mm-hmm. and find my grave is literally just like a picture of the gravestone yeah and this guy died and then like a picture of him like that's it Oh my god. So, okay, so today I will be talking about the murder of Stephen Melky, or also known as the blindfold death. I have not heard of this. <laughs> um, okay, so on December 22nd, 1939, 29-year-old William Joyce 
was driving along Highway 20 in the early morning around 3 in the morning. <clears throat> I can't say 3 a.m. I just feel weird. 3, <laughs> three in the 3 morning. 3 a.m. in the morning. In the morning. Do you, what does a.m. and p.m. stand for? Uh, they're Latin. Latin. Um, so I don't know exactly why he was out around this time. I don't know if he was leaving the bars or if he was at someone's house. He was um, on clubbing. He was clubbing in 1939. He went to dance, some square dancing. Hey, it was right after alcohol got legalized again. <laughs> That's true. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get comfy now. I don't have a I like your vest. Thank you. Really accentuates my boobs. Yes, it does. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> um, so, Highway 20 separates South Bend and Mishawaka, Indiana. Um, it's a very Indiana town name. Yes. Mishawaka. Indiana town names and Indiana, Indiana like last names of people always remind me of like Polish. Names. Oh, yeah. That's Mishawaka sounds very Polish to me. Um, so in addition to it being early morning, it's also winter in the Midwest. So there's snow on the ground, not the greatest driving conditions. Is it, it actively snowing at this time too? I'm pretty sure it is. I know if it's not actively snowing, it had just snowed mm-hmm. a good amount. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> like I think of like today. Yeah. Right now it's like perfectly snow, like the perfect winter day. So as William is driving, a man suddenly stumbles on the highway and William tries everything to avoid hitting the man, but doesn't have enough time and ends up hitting him, throwing him more than 40 feet down the road. Oh my God. So William pulls over and runs to the man to help him. But as he approaches him, he realizes his injuries are way too severe for him to do anything. So he hops back in his car. Um, and drives to get help. And remember, we're in 1939, so there's no cell phones, car phones, nothing. So yeah, he has to he, go. He to, just has to leave him on the ground yeah, and drive away. Yeah. And that's like, so scary. I feel like people today still don't like think of the right way. Like, think of like they don't want to leave the scene to go call 911 yeah. or like vice versa. Um, I can't imagine like having to leave and like, also like it looks so sketchy leaving. It does. For like a, a hit You just run. hit, yeah. You just, oh, that's so true. You hit someone mm-hmm. with your car and they just drive away. Like, okay, I'll be back. <laughs> Even no, I promise I'm coming back. Um, so also 911 wasn't, dialing 911 is, wasn't invented until 1968. So like he couldn't even call 911. I don't yeah. know. Like you have to flip through the. To like the, call the operator. Cause he, I don't think he lived like. Like, it depends on what town you're in. So, yeah, you have to... I don't even know if you can call the operator back then. I thought you had to, like, look in a telephone book. I don't know. Yeah, did you have to just call, like, the police station? I don't know. While you're looking that up, fun story about a car phone. (laughs) So, when my mom called my dad to tell him that I was um, three months old and he had a child, which my mom (laughs) says one thing, (laughs) my dad says another thing, Uh, I don't know. Um, so my mom finally just like called my dad's house and my aunt Debbie answered. And then, um, she was like, Hey, just like, you know, like Dave has a daughter and like, I've been trying to contact him or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what was said. And, um, my dad was on his way to a basketball game with my grandpa and my uncle. So my grandma called him on the car phone and was like, put David on the phone. (laughs) So. God. That's my fun fact about car phones. Jesus. 
My dad had to be like, yeah, I have a daughter. <laughs> My God. I'm just looking. It's saying. Yeah. So um, operators started in 1878. Holy cow. That will. I mean, before like it was like sophisticated, but that's like when the like, procedure started. Phones back then. It was just like a person. Well, who would you like to call? Oh, it's blah, blah, blah. And then like. Run down the street. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so police arrive at the scene around 3.30 uh, to find a man unconscious on the side of the highway. And they transfer him to St. Joseph Hospital, but they he never regains consciousness and actually ends up dying en route to the hospital. So while the man had injuries consistent with being hit by a vehicle, um, he had like broken bones, many broken bones, broken neck, internal bleeding, hemorrhaging, uh, severe trauma to chest, his chest, his legs, and his torso. And then he was also in like severe shock. Um, he had injuries not consistent with being hit by a vehicle. So he had his hands bound behind him, his wrists. Um, and he also had a missing shoe. He had his eyes and mouth wrapped with layers of two inch surgical tape. And then when the, either the police or paramedics, I'm not sure who took it off, but when they unwrapped this, they found a handkerchief with lipstick stains lodged in his throat, which lodged in his throat, I think was written in the newspapers to be like more dramatic. Yes. Because like if it's lodged in his throat, I don't think he could breathe, but it was like shoved in his mouth. Yeah. Well, and it might have gotten knocked back further after he got hit by the car too, because I bet he would have had like. A really sharp intake of breath that could have taken it Ooh, down. Yeah. Oh God, that. Ooh, so he could have been like half terrifying. choking on it the whole time. Yeah. Um. After revealing this evidence, they knew that they were dealing with a crime scene and started analyzing the highway for evidence. And they also needed to identify the man to notify the family if there was any. I like that it's 1939. So analyzing the highway for evidence just means like walking around and yeah. looking. <laughs> no closed off tape nothing so the can't like like dust for dna or like swap anything no that would be so hard with snow though that is true i can't imagine i don't know any like major cases in today not in today but like in like pop culture that has anything with snow I can think of one, um, there's a boy, it's like one of those like weird like Bryce's Pieces cases. This boy went to go mm-hmm. walk home from a party and it was snowing and he just never made it home. And they looked for him like in the woods and stuff oh, like between weird. the party and his house and they just never found him again and never found like his tracks because it was actively snowing. Right. They never found his body. Snow <laughs> is freaky because it's like the best cover up. So even if there was something, like, it could have just gotten covered up. And there's cases where, like, when the snow melts, then they find something. Mm-hmm. I think it's more creepy because it's, you can tell someone was there and how long they've been gone. Yeah. But then only all of a sudden, like, there's nothing. Yes. I think that's weird. So the police identify this man as 44-year-old widower Stephen Melky, who was a factory worker, worker, and he had three children. He had Robert, who was 18, Leonard, who was 14, and Frederick, who was eight. And he was from Mishawaka, Indiana. Um, 
he when the detectives arrived at his house the three sons were sleeping and the boys stated that they last saw their dad before bed around 11 p.m that's uh, so sad i know Stephen spent the night at home studying a home correspondence course trying to become a foreman at Mishawaka Rubber and Woolen Factory Company, which was his current employer. So he was trying to get a promotion. Um, and the police search his home. There's no clues, no signs of struggle, forced entry. Um, there was nothing missing or out of place. And so the police theorized that uh, Stephen was lured Lured. He was lured uh, from his home um, because the front door was also shut. It wasn't mm-hmm. left to open. I can't imagine getting a knock on the door at like four in the morning. Yeah. So scary. Um, okay, so the first piece of evidence they found was footprints in the snow, which suggested that Stephen was dropped off by a vehicle about 140 feet from where he was eventually hit. Um, there were tire marks in the snow that showed that the vehicle had back up, backed up and drove away after they assumed dropping Stephen off. But they also found marks in the site, which suggested that Melky was dumped out into the snow and then there was like some sort of scuffle. Uh, so they followed these footprints that they assume is Melky's, uh, where they noticed that he's like wandering for help. Um, and while he's wandering for help, he loses a shoe. Then he walks through a wooded area, then turns around and walks down a culvert, which is. It's where like water, like the two where water can pass under a highway. Yeah. So then they believe that he sat down for a bit, which is really sad. I don't know if he was just like exhausted and kind of like. And just so disoriented too. His hands are behind his back and he can't see anything. Can you imagine sitting back like trying to sit with your hands behind your back yeah that too and he got a wet butt and wet socks (laughs) yeah oh yeah i hate wet socks so um so then after he sat down for a bit he continued walking towards highway 20 so in addition to melky's footprints there was a second set of footprints which remains unidentified they have no clue who this second set of footprints belongs to the footprints were directly adjacent to Stephen's path and followed along the edge of the culvert. Ew. So this guy's just like walking right by Stephen as he's watching like, him. Yes. Watching him struggle. Watch, either watching him struggle or like giving him directions and like threatening him. Like, yeah. Look what I can do. Ooh, yeah. I, I just, did you ever watch Mad TV with, uh, oh my God, what's his name? I feel like it's Stephen. It's not. He's like, look what I can do. No. You don't know. <laughs> I haven't. It kind of <laughs> reminds me of the Alaskan serial killer that would um, kidnap women and then tell them to run away. And then he'd go hunt them. Oh. The footprints led to a telephone pole behind the scene where Melky was hit, uh, which authorities believe that the suspect stood and watched developments of the case. So he's just like sitting. Ooh. While the police never conclusively link the second set of footprints to Stephen's case, investigators theorize that the killer watched, lured, and or forced Stephen onto the highway. Do they think that, because it said that they, like, watched his developments on the case, do they think that he was there, like, when the cops showed up? 
Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's really creepy. Yeah. I mean, maybe he ran away, but like, I don't know. Also, like, where are these footprints? Like, like, where do they go? Yeah. They have to go somewhere. Unless they have another car. Yeah. I, but like, there's nothing about like a second set of tracks. That's true. Also, one source stated that when um, William Joyce like left to go get help Mm -hmm. another semi or a truck driver came and saw Melky and called because like they can radio Mm -hmm. um and so I don't know I think that's a weird detail that was like left out of it was left out of like the reddit story I was reading yeah but it's in find my grave so I think that's weird because I think you would excuse semi tracks Easier yeah, than I would like excuse some other tracks. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, uh, the police start investigating, and uh, they question several people. So they start off with twenty-seven-year-old uh, Bertel Devos. She was a local waitress, um, and she worked at the local tavern called Old Heidelberg. Um, Stephen was a regular at this tavern, and so him and Bertel became friends. They came became close, but she was engaged to 28-year-old Alan Polomsky, so Alan did not like their friendship, and um, people stated, like, they, they, they got into many verbal fights. Uh, it was pretty common. People knew that, like, they didn't like mm-hmm. each other. So both uh, Bertel and Alan denied any involvement um they had a a very solid alibi of spending the evening together at the tavern with no one else (laughs) no one to corroborate this um alan dropped Bertel at home around 3 30 in the morning then went home and i think that's weird because the police arrived at 3 30 in the morning yeah so like they had enough time to do all this they don't yeah they don't i don't i don't know i think it's weird So they were brought in for a polygraph and both of them uh, passed. And then they compared their tire prints um, from the scene to their cars. And both Bertel and Alan's vehicles didn't uh, match the tire prints. So then uh, the next person they uh, looked into was 41-year-old George Smith. He was a co-worker of uh, Melky's, and he he was very fond of Bertel, so him and this lady was just very popular. She, <laughs> Stephen liked her, um, George liked her, and then she's engaged to Alan. So uh, George and Stephen argued often at the tavern, uh, so that's why he became a suspect, but he passed a polygraph and they matched they tried to match the tire tracks and they Mm -hmm. didn't match um and he was then released so uh no arrest was ever made for this case and it is still known as the blindfold death um he his his sons his youngest son frederick who was uh eight at the time i believe that sounds right it's gonna take me a second yeah he was eight at the time. He went into an orphanage until he was adopted in 1946. Uh, he ended up dying in 2011. 
That's so recent. Mm-hmm. I wonder how old he was. He was eight. He was born in 1931. He was 80 when he died. It didn't say anything about his family. And then his two older boys ended up joining the military. Leonard died while serving at the age of 17 in 1943. And his remains are lost at sea. And then Robert died in 2004. Um, so that's that's the case of um, Stephen Melky. There's like nothing. That's so crazy. And there are no arrests or anything made, which is also it's 1939. It's so like they did everything that they could. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm just shocked that nothing was ever looked more into this. And obviously, like, it wasn't wasn't anything like a serial thing. Because yeah. it didn't happen again. So mm-hmm. it was very targeted towards him. I know. I wonder if, like, it seems like they didn't want him to die. Because, well, because it's also hard to tell because it's 1939. Mm-hmm. Because they knew that he had injuries from the car accident. But I wonder if, like, he did get, like, the crap beat out of him before he got hit by the car. Right. They just couldn't tell because, like, immediately after he gets hit by a car. exactly. So that's where his injuries are going to come in. But, like... I don't know, but it seems like what I think is they, like, got him out of the car, and he was probably stumbling around, mm-hmm. and they wanted him to get back home. Like, I feel like this was just, like, a threat. So he's stumbling around and, like, losing his balance, and they're probably like, hey, like, move over this way, get back onto the road, and, like, walk until you get into town. Yeah. And then he acts like I hit by a car. But it also says that he stumbled mm-hmm. onto the road. So, like, did he stumble onto the road because it was snowy and he lost his balance? Or did he stumble because someone, like, shoved him? That's true. And then I feel like the lipstick on the handkerchief also has to be something. Like, he was having an affair or something. I I don't know if he was, like, involved with Bertle, but, yeah, there was... There was something with that. There's a significance to the blindfold with lipstick. And I I wish that they kept it because that would have been good evidence. Yeah. I wonder if because it was in his mouth, it was like too soaked with his DNA. Maybe. Well, and then it could have, yeah, it could have gotten blood on it too. That's true. That's freaky. Yeah. Or he and Bertle were having an affair and then they got found out. Yeah. I think. I think it was like they were just like showing him like we could kill you if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. I think Alan, if I were to theorize what happened in this case, I think Alan found about out about him and Bertle and Bertle was like, oh, like, please take me back. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, prove it. And so like he, he made her become involved in this he beat the shit out of her and then she she had to like walk with him Mm -hmm. and like to prove herself that's like if i were to make a movie about this that's so like she could have been the one to like lure him out of his house too Mm -hmm. yeah well there's also i mean we know cases like that where the girl Mm -hmm. like it's a girl that lures them away from safety so that the boyfriend can go hurt Mm -hmm. them yeah that's so freaky 
That's yeah. so, and it's also like just really freaks me out too because he was blindfolded, so like he didn't see the car coming or anything. He wasn't, it wasn't like he was blindfolded with fabric. Yeah, it he was blindfolded with surgical, surgical tape. tape. I also wonder how easy yeah. in 1939 it was to get surgical tape. Yeah, but in 1939, wasn't like every woman basically a nurse if needed? If that's need true. Be. Yeah, that's true. So I don't think it's George Smith. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's so, freaky. Yeah. That's mysterious the of, of Stephen Melky and <clears throat> sucks he'll never get any justice and, yeah. I, and I hate that his kids be, basically became orphans yeah they did his mom died their mom's their mom died five years prior so mm-hmm. it's sad yeah that's really sad old cases are hard okay I hate because like if stuff happened like nowadays we could have mm-hmm. found more evidence and probably found like the person who did it yeah, the, I feel like this is huge. Like this. Oh my goodness, I just thought about something. What, what? if what if Bertle was walking along with him and then Alan was at the telephone pole watching to make sure that she didn't run away or like coddle him. Yeah. And like do as she says. Yeah, do as that's what he says. true. Because that would make sense why they had like two different spots. Mm-hmm. Anyways weird so weird so short one but good one yeah it's a thinker mm-hmm. all right guys you can follow us on facebook at aesthetically displeasing on instagram at aesthetically displeasing pod and you can send us your theories on there or email us at aesthetically displeasing pod at gmail.com all right bye guys